0: Good morning, everybody. The construction of the tabernacle continues in chapter 37. And today we're going to take a look at three different items of the tabernacle. So one, which is very significant. I mean, they all are, but the Ark of the Covenant. So we're going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. Then we're also going to talk about the table and also the lampstand this morning, and then finally the altar of incense. So those are the four things that I've talked about being made in this section of the tabernacle being built. So the first one is the Ark of the Covenant, and I want to take you to— all of these things, by the way, were made with pure gold. They were made with wood as their base, but then they were wrapped in pure gold, other than the lampstand, which was just pure gold altogether— But in verse 6 of chapter 37, in making of the Ark of the Covenant very significant, he made a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. He made two cherubim of gold. He made them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat, one cherub at the one end and one cherub at the other end. Those were like angel looking things with wings he made the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat at the two ends and their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat with their wings. So we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Um, now, this Ark was in the most holy place of the tabernacle. You might recall that, first of all, the tabernacle's fenced in and there's an outer courtyard area. And then inside this fenced area, there's a tent, and the tent has two different chambers. Uh, The bigger chamber is the holy place, and then there was a veil, and the smaller chamber on the back side of the tabernacle proper, the tent structure, there was the most holy place and in that most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant and that's where God's presence was revealed and the high priest could go into that most holy place on one day of year, Uh, Yom Kippur, you might've heard of it or called the Day of Atonement and that's where the presence of God was and he would sprinkle blood, seven drops on the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement, on that one day a year. And that would be the ultimate sacrifice for that annual sacrifice. Not the ultimate, because that ultimate is Jesus, but we'll see that in a moment. But that would be the annual sacrifice for all of the sins of Israel that the high priest would make on that one special day. Now, it's very interesting when you... Look up some of the words used. If you go to verse six and it talks about the mercy seat, and there's a word there in Hebrew, k a p o r e t. That's the transliteration. That's not what it would have looked like in in Hebrew, but when it's translated into uh, into English letters, that would be what it would look like, and. It means the mercy seat, the place of atonement, a a golden plate of propitiation on which the high priest sprinkled the seven times on the day of atonement. Now, the root word even beyond that K-A-P-O-R-E-T is kapar, K-A-P-A-R, and it means to cover purge, make atonement, make reconciliation. Uh, to atone for sin. So this is what would happen on that, that special day. Now, when you bring that into the New Testament, if we were to pick up in Romans chapter 3, I'll just read it for you. Romans chapter 3, uh, we could pick it up in verse... We could pick it up in verse 21. It says, but now apart from the law, and remember, this is all part of the law that we're reading now in the Old Testament. It says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So we're gonna learn about a righteousness here of God that has appeared, that's what manifested means, even, but it was told about through the law and the prophets, meaning that they foreshadowed or begin to t- tell of a day when the righteousness of God was gonna come in a different way. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe for there is no distinction. Now, everyone can be made right today. See, in the Old Testament, they would be made right on this day of atonement. And there was other sacrifices that they would bring throughout the year. But this was the the main day of atonement one. Anyways, now the righteousness of God being made right by God comes through faith faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, meaning doesn't matter whether you are a Jew or Greek, doesn't matter what your background is, everyone now can be made right through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Why can we be made right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's all of us. All of us, listen, when we were born, we were born into this sinful world and we were born into sin. We have Adam's sin problem from the very beginning and that sin separates us from God. And we need a solution. We need a Yom Kippur. We need a day of atonement. We need a sacrifice. But today, verse 24, we've been justified. Now justified is another way of of saying being made right. Being justified as a gift. By the way, Jesus, before any of us were born, right? You or I were born, Jesus came and died for us. So we didn't do anything to earn or deserve that. God did that. It was a gift for us. So we've been justified or made right as a gift by His grace because God's given us grace, forgiveness, mercy through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Meaning we were separated, Uh, we were under penalty of our sin, but. Someone needed to pay a price to redeem us from the penalty of our sin, and that's what it's being said here, is that through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, he redeemed us. He paid the price to get us out of the penalty that we would be under because of our sin. Now listen, verse 25, this is where we were headed, whom God displayed publicly, Now, that's very interesting, and I'll talk about that as a moment. Verse 25 of Romans 3, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith for a demonstration of his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Now, this is quite beautiful. Whom God displayed publicly. Now, listen, let's just go to that right now. The high priest would go inside this Tabernacle, which no one could see him in there. It was a completely enclosed tent structure, and then he'd go even into the innermost chamber behind a veil, and he would be the only one that could go in there. So he would go in there privately, privately before God, and he would uh, drip blood as a sign of propitiation on the day of atonement. But it was private. But what it's saying here is. God paid the final price and he did it publicly. He didn't do it in the most holy place. He did it where everyone could see it up on that hill of Golgotha, uh, the place of the skull with Jesus in Jerusalem, with Jesus up on a cross raised up high. He publicly put him forward as a propitiation. Now that's the same word that's used for the mercy seat. In it, now we're talking about a Greek version of that word versus the Hebrew version because we're in the New Testament. But it's the same word, and what it means is relating to an appeasing or expiating, having placating or expiating force, a means of appeasing, uh, use of the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies, this is the Greek word now, which was sprinkled with the blood of the expiatory victim on the annual Day of Atonement. Now, Jesus became the sacrifice, just like there was a sacrifice made to drip blood on that mercy seat. Jesus now became the victim, the sacrifice. He was the one who took our sin and God appeased his wrath or meaning a penalty had to be paid in order to forgive us. Jesus Christ was the person who paid that penalty. God put forth his son to be the sacrifice and he put his justice upon his son in order to forgive us. That's how we're forgiven today, not on the Day of Atonement anymore, We're forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ who was put forth as a sacrifice. He took, he bore our penalty so that we could be made right. And that's why we don't need a holy place anymore and a most holy place. And we don't need a mercy seat anymore because Jesus was the once and for all final sacrifice. But that word propitiation means that God's justice was appeased through the sacrifice, just like it was in the Day of Atonement, now God's justice is appeased through the sacrifice of His Son, and now we can be made right. Hallelujah! Uh, before God, what a beautiful thing that is. Listen to what it says in Romans three twenty-five here: Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. So we got to believe what what God did through His Son. There, this was to demonstrate that could be translated, prove his righteousness. See, God followed his own rules and that a sacrifice was needed to make his people right. God was righteous in requiring still a sacrifice, but he did it in his son for us because in the divine forbearance, meaning God was willing to overlook our sin, even though our sin separates us from God, it said for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but he's willing to overlook that now because of his forbearance, because God has passed over the sins previously committed. Just like, uh, in some ways, how you know God passed over the Israelites when they were in Egypt, he now overlooks our sinfulness because he took the penalty on his son and made us right before him, and and that's what the Ark of the Covenant represents: is that same propitiation that happened in the Old Testament but now so much greater and so much more significant and once and for all through Jesus, hallelujah. So very interesting and important to understand that word, the mercy seat or the propitiation because God did require a penalty or a sacrifice and he did it, hallelujah. The next thing that's talked about being made in Exodus 37 is the table of made out of acacia wood, but then laid with pure gold. Now the table, uh, is where the bread would be in the holy place. So the first chamber of that tent and, you know, just like Jesus is the bread of life and just like Aaron and his sons, uh, well, they would get to eat the bread that was laid out on this table, you know, and God provided manna out in the, out in the desert to help the people survive, um, Now, Jesus is our bread of life, and that's kind of the symbolism there. But this table made out of pure gold would be in that holy place. It's really interesting to see, too. I'm actually looking at all these items, pictures of them. um, And they all had poles and like rings, the table, the mercy seat, um, because this was going to be on the move in the desert and even all the way on the move all the way until they got to Jerusalem and eventually one day, many years later, built a temple. So everything had to be made with like, uh, you know, hooks and, and like, you know, circles where the pole would slide in made of gold and then people could carry it. Everything had to be kind of made so that it could be transported and cared for correctly. Um, I find that interesting. And as Belzalal guy, he really knew what he was doing and building all this stuff. Um all right so then they had the lampstand which was also in that holy place because that's where the priests would go more regularly is into the holy place the most holy place only one day a year but when they would go in and eat the bread at that table of presence and trim the wicks on the lampstand they had to do that you know when you have a lamp of of you know candles you know, you have to maintain those in order to keep them burning. And the the lampstand would represent like Jesus now is the light of the world. And they were supposed to keep that lamp burning. And there, the seven, there were seven um, lamps on this lampstand, one in the middle and then three on each side. And they would have to be, remain lit. And seven is the number of completion. And it's interesting that, you know, all the way in the book of Revelation, there are seven letters written to seven churches, and each church is represented as a lampstand. The church is called a lampstand, and it's the number of completion. That's why those seven letters really to those churches really are to all the churches because of the number of completion. So John is really speaking to those seven churches, but he's speaking to us in that book as well. So they had to be able to see, by the way, you know, in the tabernacle, they wouldn't be able to see unless they had light. So that, that, that light helped them to see in that holy place. Well, then they had the altar of incense that was in there as well. And that altar of incense, it stood right in the holy place, but right before the entrance into the most holy place and they would burn incense on that. And before the high priest would enter the most holy place, he would drip blood also on the altar of incense before he walked into the holy place. Um, The sprinkling of blood. And this is all a kind of a sign and shadow of how Jesus Christ had to shed his blood because without blood, there's not forgiveness of sins. God just had it made that way. That sacrifice is how we were forgiven. And Praise God, He paid the once and for all sacrifice for us. So, those are some of the items that we see today. Of course, I encourage you to read the chapter and you can see the specifics about it. It it is helpful to kind of see pictures of this, too this altar of incense. Again, it has rings and poles so that it could be transported by the Levites carefully as they traveled about in the desert. Well, I hope. seeing some of this Old Testament stuff, uh, especially the mercy seat and how it figures into the death of Jesus Christ for our sins. Uh, I think it's great to see how God fulfilled his Old Testament law through Jesus in order to bring us forgiveness. May all this strengthen your faith and help you understand the Bible better. God bless you all.